0: just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is Steph Driver from Broad Street Hockey Radio and broadstreethockey.com. Today in BSH interviews, we are talking to Lou Nolan, the Flyers PA announcer, who has been with the Flyers for the past 55 years as the in-arena announcer for the past 50. The Flyers are holding a ceremony tonight to celebrate Lou Nolan's 50th year as the PA announcer. And we had some really fun conversations with him about his time with the Flyers and really cool stories about being the PA announcer. We did have some technical issues from being on Zoom between Pennsylvania and Georgia. It does get a little bit choppy in the middle, but I hope that you will stay and and stick it out because it's a really fun conversation. Without further ado, Lou Nolan you have watched a lot of hockey. Some might even say too much hockey, which means that you've seen the game evolve throughout the eras. What has been your favorite version, your favorite decade, your favorite style of hockey that you've seen in these 50 years?
1: Well, uh, I would say that my favorite style is the ones that won two Stanley Cups for us, which was the Road street bullies, but that's gone. Uh, the league has decided that uh, that is not going to be anymore. So, uh, you know, we're, we're basically. Uh, speed and more like the European version with a smaller rink these days. And there's still some strange penalty calls that happen, but uh, that's just a matter of interpretation from the guys in the stripes. Yeah. Who are my friends, by the way, you know?
0: Oh, good. So. <laughs> You've been with the organization since the start of the Philadelphia Flyers. You're a local guy. What does it mean to be with the organization as a whole for 55 years?
1: Uh, I have a hard time putting my arms around it, Seth, to be honest with you. Um, You know, I, I still think of myself as the, you know, the kid from Southwest Philly who played street hockey when there wasn't any, you know, and went to minor hockey league games when we had a team here in Philly before the Flyers and, taped sticks together and did all these things, uh, and, and just had fun. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it, it's difficult sometimes for me to do, you know, to, to just feel strongly, not strongly, to, to just wonder how it all happened, you know, just hard work, I guess, and trying to be professional and not trying to be a hot dog.
0: <laughs> That's always a good goal. So what is, what is your secret to, so your voice, your voice is your instrument. How, what's your secret to keeping your voice in, in shape?
1: Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I've not been asked that before. Keeping an in shape uh, does not seem to be a challenge for me. Uh, I, it, it's my voice and it's always been me. I, uh, I, I didn't do any formal training for it. Um, and uh, it's just something that's happened and has, uh, has evolved and come out. Uh, it's it's funny and it, it's I have a I have a difficult time realizing that people recognize it when I'm out and about another hockey game uh, I mean I know Harry Callis every time anybody would say it, you know Harry was anywhere I know that voice I don't believe or I, I can't fathom the fact that uh, I would say something in an elevator and people turn around and be like give me give me the fisheye you know yeah uh, it's uh it's strange but I guess they're hockey fans so they've heard. A yeah.
0: Lot your, your voice is iconic. Um, so you have very particular iconic calls like the Pico power play and the pregame. <laughs> Are you ready for some hockey? Did those come about organically or did you kind of plan those in advance?
1: Well, uh, start, let's start with the Pico and I'm going to pull out a frame for a second. I want to show you something. Okay. This is uh, something that, uh, Pico did, um, I don't know. A few years ago.
0: Oh, that's so cool! So
1: it's yeah, it's similar to uh, the e button at uh, at uh, Staples, and um, you know, they approached me about doing that. But to, to start out, it, it it started as a uh, the ad guys sold Pico Power Play, and um, Anthony Joya, who was. Uh, the guy that I was working with at the time, he was the game presentation director. He told me about it and said, when the power plays, we're going to say, you know, Pico power play. Okay. Okay. So the first one went, the flyers are going on the Pico power play. He said, it's going to have to have more juice if we're going to, you know, do something with it. And it started, started to ramp up little bit by little. And it's gotten to where it is now where people wait for it. And I'm told, although I, can't see anything happening that that people do repeat it places all the time and in the stands yeah and I didn't know that um uh, until I was told so it's it's uh it's gotten to where it is now I try not to be a cheerleader Steph I really don't want to do that uh but uh that one maybe transcends the fact that I don't want to be a cheerleader yeah and are you ready for some hockey that's um that's a takeoff, I guess, on uh, Michael Buffer when he was ready for anything, even a TV commercial about eating, eating with Charles Barkley, you know, that he's doing these days. But uh, he's passed the wings, you know, that stuff like that. But he's made a good look out of it. I wish I was doing as well.
0: <laughs> so it's, it's interesting that you say you try not to be a cheerleader. So you work, you see the athletes every day. You work very closely with them. How do you keep your objectivity?
1: Well, I guess it's the fact that I always wanted to be professional. And, um, you know, the players are the reason people are there. They're there to see the players. They're there to go to a hockey game. They're not there to listen to me, you know. Um, And uh, all I wanted to do ever was to uh, fill the the people in on what was going on and what things were transpiring on the ice after it was communicated to me. So I felt like the conduit between officials – Uh, with goals and assists and penalties and all these kinds of things. And the the people, I didn't think that, you know, things should be um, any more than they really are. Maybe our goals sound a little bit differently than the opponent's goals, but I still try and give the opponents a pretty good trip. You know, it's not, some rinks it's like, Hey, hey, hey," you know, I I don't do that.
0: You don't. And I think people definitely notice. Um, Do they still give out a case of tasty cakes? I think that's another one of your famous calls.
1: That's a good question. Uh, no, they don't. And uh, a related story to that, you know, we gave uh, for goals a case of Tasty Cakes. And one day at an alumni game, Brian Boucher was, was playing. Or maybe it was one of our games. It was one of our games. And he shut somebody out. And I came into the room after and he says, Louie, Louie, come here. He said, where the hell are my Tasty Cakes? So... So I said, "Okay, Boosh, I don't know, uh, but uh, we'll get you some." <laughs> Years later, when he's playing for the, we brought a case of tasty cakes to the game, and I don't know where the game was. And then in the room, everybody took some home, so it was good fun.
0: That's awesome. You mentioned earlier the 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 people, the the production people, other staff that you work with. Now, we all know you as the voice, but there have to be a ton of people in the background that make it possible for you to do what you do. Can you give us a little bit of a peek behind the curtain curtains, what goes into creating the sounds of the game?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, uh, a lot of very competent cameramen who work for Arena ArenaVision. Um, Artie Halstead is the, the director there. He moves the cameras from place to place and uh, chooses which shot goes up. And um, you know, the, the person that is basically the game presentation director, Tina DeVillo, uh, is really key in all of it because she sets it all up and we take our direction from her as to what has to happen on a uh, basically a, a script that tells us what's going to be next and what, what commercials or whatever are going to be on and uh, when, um, when the interview the host is going to talk and, you know, where I'm supposed to talk about things. But uh, you know, it's a control room is like a, a neat place. It looks like the uh, the direction room at uh, you know, the NFL when you see the truck uh or something of that nature. Uh team all over the place, people the the that do the, the, the job and make sure it all comes together. It's a whole team effort and the people in vision make me look good, I'll tell you. They even put a camera in for a some of the Pico power play stuff now, so.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, what are some of your favorite moments in Flyers history? You know, we're, we're going through a, a little bit of a rough patch here, so let's go back to the good times.
1: You're right. It is a rough patch. Um, well, uh, the good times uh, were were early on when I started, you know, in, in the press area, in the press box, which is handed out stats and did game sheets. And then I went downstairs and timing is everything because the first year I was down, we went to the finals. And, uh, you know, uh, I worked without glass. There was no glass in front of us. So Mm. it was, we didn't know any better. You know, would I do it now? No. Uh, But we didn't know any better. So once in a while, we get hit with a puck, body check and smash into us. Mm. But, um, you know, the communication with the referees helped a lot and made it fun. Of course, then in uh, 1974, uh, we won the first cup. And uh, uh, I traveled a little bit with the team into Boston and, and enjoyed some of those games. And we got back here for game six. You know, it's like, hmm, you know, if there's a way we can find out the win here, we could win the Stanley Cup, which is pretty amazing. So uh, we're ahead one to nothing off a goal. Nick McLeish tips in. And uh, with about a little over two minutes left, Bobby Orr uh, shoots. It goes off one of Clarkie's pads and starts to pound up the ice. Bob goes past him and, and Orr pulls him down. Referee, you know, the arm goes up, two minutes for tripping. Or is like nuts. He's crazy. He's screaming at the ref. They send him in the box. So now it's getting down to the announcement, like last minute of play in the period. I'm saying to myself, we are, we could win this thing. And sure enough, uh, you know, uh, we, we did it. Wow. Uh, it was chaos. The glass was lower then. There were no real real rules on tall glass. So uh, uh, people jumped over Glass and really got in the way of the celebration, uh, and uh, I can remember Bernie and Clarkie skating the the uh, cup around the ice, and Dave Schultz clearing the way for them. Uh, you'll see that in some of the some of the films, and um, it was an incredible time. But uh, uh, I went in the room after, drank out of the cup, got a photo or two, uh, then I did a lacrosse game that night. <laughs> Believe it or not. Uh, and, um, then went out to celebrate and met everybody else up over at Rexy's and the rest is history. Another yeah. cup the next year, they were the favorite times plus beating the Russians. Yep. And the goal that JJ Daniels scored to help us get in to uh, move along in the playoffs was a big one. Big was the, roar, you know?
0: Yeah. Was the spectrum actually louder than the Wells Fargo center?
1: Well, I'm not sure it was louder. But if you if you did the square footage in be- in the buildings, you would find that the, probably the spectrum could fit inside the Wells Fargo Center widthwise across the width. Not the, so there's a lot more space to fill. Uh, the fans used to do the same game all the time. Fame, same fans were there, so they knew what it was like. And when they raised hell, they really did. Um, you know um, the. Wells Fargo center, the biggest roar I've heard there, uh, was when, um, we got into the playoffs when Bouch- Boucher, uh, uh, stopped the penalty shot. And, um, uh, we, the playoffs, that was a huge roar, but even more than that, uh, the first game that was there, uh, when team USA won their game in the world Cup, and, uh, you know, just fantastic, fantastic. You know, you got 20,000 people roaring, but I guess. If you put it all into one sentence, the longest roar, and it was a roar, was that spectrum from about the four-minute mark to the Stanley Cup. And it wasn't like a burst. It was a roar. And it built and stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed and stayed. My headset crackled. You know, it was one of the the many times that it did. It was a special time.
0: Yeah. Special time. I'm getting chills as you're talking about it. That sounds incredible. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who is the person in the organization that's secretly a ton of fun that we would never expect for them to, to act anything other than serious.
1: <laughs> well, there are probably several players that could be a ton of fun. Uh, you know, Jake, Jake for when he was here was a ton of fun But uh, you know, in the, in the organization, uh, um, gritty off the ice. Uh, when he's <laughs> not gritty. Uh, he's a terrific guy. And uh, it's certainly a lot of fun. He's a great athlete and um, just uh, just does a nice job. Uh, everyone there, it's hard for me to isolate one person. Yeah. I just go down and have so much fun, uh, you know, and um, just enjoy myself, uh, soup the nuts. And I, I got a big thrill the other night for, you know, 50 years, my wife has never really had a feel for what I do and how, Ooh. how it gets done. And, um, last game she sat next to me with a headset on and listened to the whole game, start to finish. And on the way home in the car, she said, I cannot believe you guys do all that stuff. Wow. You know, it just doesn't happen automatic. Yeah. You know, uh, it doesn't happen automatic. There's preparation. There's, you know, getting getting the boards prepared, you know, their fire comes out of the board. Boards now, you know, smoke. And I mean, everybody does something. Yeah. And it's such fun. It's such a great amount of fun. It's more fun when you win, but it's still fun. And you should make it that.
0: So, what does your prep look like? Do you have a routine? Do you have a, a very specific process before each game?
1: I do. Uh, first thing I do uh, is go on a, uh, a Facebook site. For us broadcasters, in-house broadcasters, and uh, we've all contribute to keep the website running. And we download our own team pronunciations. And um, you know, I go to the the opponent's uh, name and click on that and print out and see where where I might have a problem with with people that I don't recognize. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's harder once once we got away from uh, uh, USA and Canadians. You know, we get to Europe. And the Slavic countries, Russia. I mean, it, it gets a little more difficult. And if they're not familiar, you don't want to make you don't want to make it a bad thing. Right. You, they deserve to be done right. So uh, I print that out. I look at the roster. I get set for that. Uh, I'll practice the name a couple times, perhaps. But when I get to the game, you know, I'll go downstairs and have a bite and talk to the office officials, and then go upstairs, pick up the script. We do have a script, so we know where we are. 120 different items at any different time, beginning with, uh, you know, the welcome and ending with the uh, good night. So we can be directed to anything by, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tini Davillo. And um, so I get that set. I get the off-ice official set where they're going to be sliding into different spots because I always announce who they are. Uh, I get the referee set, uh, the the guys that do all the technical work for the NHL. And uh, go through it, and realize what I have to do and what looks different, what the reads are. Uh, some of them are pretty long for the, for, you know, you read somebody during a whole timeout that is, uh, deserves to be heard, you know, from the military or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who we honor. So that's the prep. When the game starts, you know, we just got timeouts after 14, 10, and six minutes, the first time out after for a TV slot. And uh, we fill that up. But there are little things in between, you know, uh, who the goalies are and, you know, things like that. And um, so so the answer is there's there's a fair amount of prep. I get there about two hours before.
0: Okay, I've got a couple more questions. So Flyers fans are knowing are known for being some of the most passionate and animated in the league. Uh, What's the craziest thing (laughs) you've seen a fan do at a game?
1: That's an easy one. Uh, the, uh, the gentleman that, um, leaned on the glass, snapped the glass, uh, which was higher because Toronto was in and fell in the penalty box with Ty Domi was the craziest. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Domi just pulled his jacket over his head and hit him a couple times. And then the referees jumped in and you've seen that I'm sure. Yeah. Um, the next strangest thing would have been when the bracelets that were used for the lighting got thrown on the ice yeah. by a, um, a, a not thinking group of fans. And the referee came over to me, uh, Paul Dvorsky and he said, Louie, if you guys do that again, I'm going to have to give you a penalty. So I told the fans, I said, you know, don't do it again, or we're going to get another minor penalty. Well, something else happened about 15 or 20 bracelets came on. I went and when I told him, I said, well, now you did it. Now we have another penalty, you know, yep. and that, that, I asked them to stay classy, and that spawned a T-shirt, a stay classy T-shirt that they gave out, which I, I was amazed at. Yeah. And um, I'll put my face on t T-shirt again, you know. I'm the kid from Southwest Philly to play street hockey. I don't belong in a T-shirt.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. You so do? They're, they're the
1: two craziest things. Well, yeah, you. You are
0: honest. truly an icon. Uh, so your book, If These Walls Could Talk, gave fans – pretty much an oral history of the flyers in a way that could only come from someone who's been there since day one, an incredibly cool read. Do you have any plans for other books?
1: I don't at this point. Uh, and, um, you know, I really uh, want to give a lot of credit to Sam Carciti who was with the Inquirer at that point. Uh, Sam was a writer. I mean, we sat in, uh, in his kitchen um, or other places, you know, for hours and recorded things and, uh, talked about stories and he put it all together and, and made it something that is palatable to read in the right order. Uh, and, uh, and Bernie was great to write the forward for it and good friend for a long time. wonderful guy. And, uh, but no plans for another one. I mean, you know, I mean, that was it as far as I'm concerned. It's it's fun to be able to say he wrote a book. Yeah. You know, again, I get back to the same thing, t-shirt book. Nah, what the heck?
0: Why not? Right? Is there anything? Is there anything about your role that you want Flyers fans to know?
1: uh, Well, I I want them to really know how much I appreciate all of them, and how how kind they've been to me down through the years. Uh, Sometimes you know I mispronounce something and or forget the last minute of play in the period, and if I walk through the concourse. They, they remind me, you missed the last minute, you know, because I understand people do that too in the stands, uh, say last minute of play, you know, yep. and, um, but they're all so very nice to me, uh, something interesting. Uh, I remember walking through the, the concourse one time on the way to my seat and a, a fellow stopped me with a young child. And he said, uh, this is the announcer, you know, and, and the guy, the kid looked up at me like puzzled. And, um, I said, I'm the Pico power play guy. There you go. And he said, Oh, and his eyes brightened up and then he got it. What I really did. But that, that is basically, uh, that's how lots of people know me. I hear it all the time. All the time.
0: Can we get one Pico power play for the road?
1: Oh boy. I usually don't do these on, uh, on a but, uh, I guess I will for you. You don't have to, I guess I will. Uh, that's okay. Okay. And the Flyers are going on the Pico Power Play.
0: How's that? Perfect. I'm going to make it my (laughs) ringtone. Lou, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you for the past 50 years, 55 within the organization. We hope that you're going to be around for the rest of all time. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Steph, for uh, allowing me to be on the broadcast and uh, to... uh, To get the opportunity for so many more people to know more about my story.
0: It is absolutely my pleasure.